but it's good to be in his presence. Amen. Uh, I'm continuing today with uh, Believer's Authority. And uh, one of the things that um, certainly Owen touched on it by implication this morning, but one of the problems in the church is that people, God's people, do not know their authority. Therefore, if you don't know your authority, you don't know how to use it. You don't know how to stand and move forward. And it, it is essential that uh, <clears throat> it is essential that God's people get hold of this. And of course, uh, the book of Ephesians talks more about authority than any other book in the New Testament. And, uh, you know, go, go and read for a start. Um, put you on the starting blocks, the, the Ephesian prayers, chapter 1 and chapter 3, will give you glimpses. And then the rest of the will build on that. But it is essential that, you see, authority, uh, if somebody knows better, please correct me if I'm wrong. Authority isn't something that's generally preached or taught in the house of God. And it is essential that people have this foundation so they, that they know exactly where they are standing. You know, Paul tells us that when you've done everything else you know to do, stand. That's it. You stand. And you stand on the Word of God. Because the Word of God, with everything that's going on in this world, with, the, with society, the foundations of society collapsing under our feet, the Word of God is the one sure thing that will hold you up. It will be the foundation on which you can stand, on which you can walk. Uh, after all, because of this world, this Word, we inherit an eternity. Amen? It's ours. And uh, uh, how many of you know that the moment you declare Jesus as Lord of your life, you walk into your eternity? That's where the journey starts. Lots of people believe that the eternity comes when you breathe your last breath and depart. No, you, your eternity starts the moment you make Jesus Lord of your life. Therefore, it's, uh, what, what happens down here is a learning process concerning eternity, concerning things that are going to happen uh, the other side of eternity in the kingdom of God. But let's deal with what we're going to deal with here. So uh, I've mentioned, um, I have mentioned the Ephesian prayers, Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 3. Read them, read them, read them, pray them, put your name into them so that you are building it up in your own and in your own life. Uh, Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. Uh, Luke chapter 10. Okay. Oh, sorry, I'm in the wrong book. I'm in John. I was going to say that I had the wrong, uh, the wrong text, but uh, I'm convinced and my convincing was right. 
Luke chapter 10 and verse 19, and we have these words. Uh, let's go back to 18. Jesus said to them, I saw Satan as lightning fall from heaven. What are we talking about here? We're talking about the pre-existent Christ. When, when uh, Satan fell from grace, when pride was built up in his heart, that was the start of it all. He got pride in his heart. He wanted the place that was rightly God's. He wanted the, the place that was rightly that of the eternal Lord Jesus. Uh, I saw Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Look, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Oh boy, does that open itself up for misunderstanding, and there are plenty of people who preach and teach misunderstanding understanding. You can go to the United States and you can join one of the snake churches where they actually bring rattlers into the service and they dance with them. But they're careful to tell you that they only dance with them when the Holy Spirit anoints them. Ha, 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 ha. Wrong spirit. Okay. What, so what is Paul? What, what, what is... Uh, I'm on to your mistake now, Paul. <laughs> what is Jesus talking about here? Not telling them like with serpents and scorpions. He is talking primarily about the devil, his cohorts, or the hosts of hell that continue to look for areas where they can come against us. If there's an enemy that the church has, it is not the state, it is the powers of hell, who of course sometimes work through the state and work through earthly institutions. Look, the devil, he, the devil will use any convenient avenue to get at the people of God. Um, we had that situation uh, Two years ago, was it? Yeah, it must have been two years ago. Now I've lost track of time um, when churches were shut. No government on earth has the right to issue an edict for the house of God to close its doors because they were treading right against the aims of the gospel, right against... But that's another session. That's another teaching. Let's get on here. Uh, power, authority. Uh, the authorized version uses power twice. In fact, the, in, the original Greek uh, uses two different words. Behold, I have given you authority and power. That is the amplified uh, translation of Luke 10, 19. Behold, I have given you authority and power. Two different entities <coughs> that are made available to us. To trample upon serpents and scorpions. Yeah, you've heard the, you've heard the saying that the devil is under my feet. Well, the devil is under your feet. So are his cohorts. So are the demons of hell. The only time they can rise above 
Your feet is when you give them permission. You give them authority. The only time the devil has a foothold in your a foothold in your life is when you give him of options, authority. Um. Yeah, the uh, the we as the people of God have um, authority over all the forces of the wicked one. Let me ask you a question. Does the church in this day and age need any more authority than it did 2,000 years ago? No, that is correct. Authority is authority. Matthew chapter 28, all authority has been given unto me, said Jesus, you go. In other words, he was delegating. He delegating his authority to the group of people who were not so long previously were just a ragtag and bobtail group of people who sometimes didn't know what they were talking about. Peter, actually, Peter is my favorite disciple. Peter so often opened his mouth and put his foot in it. Yeah, I've been there, okay? I've even been there from this point of view, not in this church. I wouldn't get away with it here. <laughs> the church does not need any less authority. Now it doesn't need any more authority. Authority is authority, and it is perpetuated down through the ages through the work of the Holy Spirit. I thought that would have got an amen. amen. The value of authority rests on the fact that, A, these are important points, it is God's authority is the power behind the authority that we have. It is God's authority. Amen. Secondly, it is power, authority, delegated to us. And of course, as uh, Owen said earlier, we have no power in our teaching, in our ministry, unless we acknowledge that Jesus is raised from yes. the dead. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. I love it when you put your thumb in the Bible and it goes to the right page and the right yeah. verse. Yeah. Ephesians 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brothers, be strong. You got that? Yeah. Be strong. But that's only half the tale. Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling some power here this morning. Be strong in the power in the, in, in the Lord and in the power of his might. Then put on the whole armor of God, whereby you may be able to stand against the works of the devil. And when you've done everything you know to do, you've prayed through an issue, you have read the word, you have declared the word, that issue and no matter what the world says no matter what no matter what sadly no matter what some of your Christian brethren say sometimes you stand 
I'm not moving from this place. So, how are we strong in the Lord and in his mighty power? Uh, those of you who have attended this church for more years than you can remember uh, will have heard me preach on this, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself this morning. This is a church that makes good coffee. <laughs> how are you strong in the Lord and in his mighty power? First of all, uh, you need still to be in the Ephesians 6 for a moment, having the belt or the girdle of truth. What's that all about? It is a clear understanding of God's word, like the soldier's belt, it holds the rest of the armor in place. Yeah. You know, no matter how good you might be as a person, if you have no understanding of what the Word of God is saying, then you are powerless. That is the good of truth. It holds everything in place. That's why God gave us this Word. And I am so glad God gave us His Word. Uh, John chapter verse 32. Let's go back to verse 31. And Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you remain in my word, then you are truly my disciples. You know, God's word, understanding God's word is part and parcel of discipleship. Come on. Yeah. Uh, if you remain in my word, then you are truly my disciples. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. <clears throat> you can cry out as much as you like to be set free, but unless you know the truth, the very core of God's word, the truth concerning Jesus, the truth concerning his life, his ministry, and the ministry that he has handed down to you, unless you've got that in place, you start to trip up. You falter at the first fence. You're getting something out of this this morning. Bless you, Lord. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. What does Paul say to Timothy? Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. I remember the day when I walked into the firm where I served my apprenticeship, the first day. And uh, the, the foreman of the section I was in, he took me into his office, took my details and had a ch general chat with me. He said, now I'm going to introduce you to the man. His name was Ron Bennett. I'm going to introduce you to the man who's going to teach you your trade. And we went out. And he said, okay, son, this is where we do it. This is where we look after all the machinery. Lots of it was machinery to do with marine engineering. Machinery was heavy engineering, uh, land-based. But there were all sorts of things there. Just the store cupboard. And he opened the door. It was a secure door, totally locked, 
didn't have combination locks in those days, totally locked by three padlocks, and they were all the tools that I had access to. You know, you, you had to buy your own tools as well, but they were all the specialized tools. Work. Unless you knew those tools, you do the work. Unless you know how to correctly handle the word of truth, you cannot minister from the word of truth. Are you getting this? Okay. <clears throat> Just remember again uh, about uh, authority. Authority from God is authority. It is sufficient for what God has called us to do. Listen, you didn't get up out of bed one morning, come downstairs, see a letter from the postman, and in that letter was your call. No way. You got your call from the director general of the church directly, the Lord Jesus Christ, who also happens to be your king and your redeemer. Got it? That's where your authority comes from. And it is sufficient authority when he says, go and do this. You've got the wherewithal to go and do it. Wherewithal, you've got the Holy Spirit within you. And if you listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, he will point out valid scriptures for every and any situation. Amen? Amen. I feel like preaching this morning. So then you need the breastplate of righteousness. And back to Ephesians. I've closed the book there. Let's get back to Ephesians chapter 6 um, and verse 14. Stand therefore, having your waist girded with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. How many righteous people have I got here this morning? How many righteous people do I have here this morning who have earned it and they've, they've declared themselves to be righteous and that's it? No hands up. That's good because there would have been some extra ministry. <laughs> How many people who are righteous this morning, unworthy of that righteousness, but it's a gift to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's how you live. That's how you walk. That's how you achieve what God wants you to do. There's a twofold application here, the breastplate of righteousness. Jesus is our righteousness, and we put him first. Okay? Jesus is our righteousness. We put him first. Secondly, it shows obedience to God's word. You know, God tells God's word tells us things that we have to be obedient to. You know, are, are you okay with that? You know, um, uh, let, let me pick out one from Jesus, the classic, love one another as I have loved you. And boy, do we fall at the first fence sometimes. <laughs> you know, as, as one man said to me, a dear man of God, he said, I, I find it easy to love the people in the world. It's my next door neighbor I have problems with. 
Yeah, there are people that we do have problems with. But nevertheless, it is obedient for us to love one another. And loving one another starts here in the family. Okay? And, and of course, you see, let's take the family unit. Let's take mum, dad, and they have their first child. Where's the focus of their love? Well, still, the, the focus of their love is still for each other. Because in, in the way God has ordered things, it's God first, husband, wife, you know, they come down in order, and then your children. But you see, husband and wives, they have a love for that child. And that love grows, and grows, and it grows. And that love becomes uh, reciprocated. Uh, those of you who have had children, that first smile that comes from your baby, you know. Um, dad's at work, and mum is home, and she's chatting to the child, and the child gives the first smile, picks up the phone. She said, I've got the first smile this morning. But it, it releases that, that fountain of joy. Let me tell you something. Smile over what God has done for us. It does something to his heart. Okay? Simply because you have a place in God's heart this morning. You've had it there ever since you started to walk with Jesus. Uh, number three, verse, uh, Ephesians 6, verse 15. Having your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith. Well, let's deal with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What is it? It's a faithful ministry proclaiming the word of God. Now, let's go back. Let's retrace our steps just for a moment to make sure we've got it. You've got to know the truth before the truth can set you free. Okay? Uh, some years ago, I, I, I had a phone call from my brother. That, this is a situation where I've, it's caused me questions. There were three of us. And uh, myself, my, my sister, and my brother in that order. Uh, the first child died at childbirth, so I'm going to meet him in heaven. Um, and, yeah, uh, my, myself, my sister, and my brother. Hold on, I've lost my train of thought. Uh, let's, let's go on. Uh, this is a faithful ministry proclaiming the word of God, but you've got to know the word of God. I know exactly where I'm going. Uh, my, my parents taught us. They taught me. They taught my sister, and they taught my brother. Not the word of God, but they taught us exactly how we should live. And conveniently, we lived 500 yards from the Baptist church, just up the road. And that's where we were booted out of the front door after lunch every Sunday to go to Sunday school. But you see, I caught on. 
I started to go Sunday morning. I started to go Sunday evening as well as the afternoon. And my parents were fine with that. And then, uh, and then I joined the Supreme Regiment, Boys' Brigade. Oh, boy. Yes. And then uh, we did all sorts of things. And, you know, when I look back and I see how God has traced my life. But you see, in doing that, he gave me authority. And I had to take up that authority to minister the word of God. The word of God that you must know before you can minister it. It's faithful ministry. And don't forget, it's a proclamation. It's not a gentle session. It's a proclamation of the word of God. And then the sheep, continuing on in verse 15, uh, having feet uh, fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the fiery arrows of the evil one. They are many, but how many can we extinguish? All of them. All of them. Shield is a protective covering for the entire body. This represents our complete safety under the blood of Christ. Any blood-bought people here this morning? That's it. Under the protection and safety of the blood of Christ, where no power of the enemy can penetrate. Did you know that the enemy cannot get through the barrier of the blood? Your life is sacred to Father. Your life is shielded through the blood of the Lord Jesus. Uh, verse, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Well, first of all, the helmet of salvation. Thessalonians 5 and verse 8, Paul talks of faith as the helmet, the hope of salvation. Paul says in another place, we are looking, looking, forever looking for the blessed hope of the appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, there's no excitement here this morning. Okay. The hope of salvation is the only helmet able to protect the head in these days of turning from the truth. Now, let me tell you something. You will probably know this. In this world, it's totally crazy. There are lords many, there are gods many, there, is, there are words that are being thrown at you left, right, and center. Did you know that in your lifetime you will get your tongue around at least 2,000 words? There are a couple of million words worldwide, but you will handle about 2,000 of them. Every day... You will have so many hundred words coming off your tongue. Okay? 
Uh, I heard a preacher mention that. And of course, more words from the woman than from the man, but I'm not going there. <laughs> and the hope, the helmet of salvation is our protection against everything that the devil will throw at us. He will look to get inside your mind. He will further look to get inside your heart. But of course, you see, he can't get inside your heart because that is already occupied by the Holy Spirit. Okay? Amen. The time. Uh, and lastly, in this section, the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God. It shows that the Word of God is to be used offensively. The rest of the is for defense. The sword is offensive. So that means that you are a warrior. Okay? You're not sure whether to accept that or not. <laughs> um, you are a warrior. You've heard the saying concerning prayer warriors. Yeah, and sometimes we, we fight in prayer. Uh, sometimes we have to rebuke the devil when he starts to interfere, but he has no access to the throne of grace where we go in prayer, where we are in conversation with Father, where we are daily communing with the Holy Spirit. He has no access. <clears throat> uh, you notice I only mentioned two people there, God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. Where is Jesus at this moment in time? At the right hand of the Father. And there are people that do not understand this. He is at the right hand of Father. We pray to Father in his name. Amen. We pray to Father in his name. And we listen to the prompting, the guidance, and the urging of the Holy Spirit who directs our paths. Don't be afraid to use the word of the sword of the Spirit. If you've got problems with the devil, use the sword of the Spirit. Yeah. Remind him of where. Soon shuts him up because he doesn't want to know that. Uh, he does know it, but he doesn't on it. So we we come to the point authority third or delegated to the church. If uh, when I when I'd served my apprenticeship. I came out, and of course, this was on the docks, and the docks were shutting down in Cardiff, and so there was no work. So my apprenticeship ended. That finished my term with that firm. Uh, but it was in the days when you walked out of a job on Friday and into another one on Monday morning. No problems at all. And uh, I, I found myself a job, and they said, well, you're a kid. I could have hit him. I was 22. Uh, he said, you're a kid, but we'll give you a chance. We give you a chance. That was my authority. 
They gave me, they let me loose on some machinery. Uh, the problem I had for two years was that if they wanted something done on another site, somebody had to take me because I couldn't drive there. But, uh, you know, I had authority. Uh, my boss gave me authority to strip a machine and together. And very often it was a situation where you learnt on the job. Sounds like preaching the gospel, doesn't it? Very, you know, you, 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 you go to Bible school, you've been to Bible school, I have, you have, and uh, yes, and another one at the back there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you've been to Bible school, you've sat under great men and women, some of them learned, uh, they've got letters after their name, but they still opened the word of God to you because they were, they were God-fearing. They were Christ-loving, Holy Spirit-filled people. But unless you take that on board, unless you continue when you've been released from Bible school, you know, that's not the be-all and end-all. Your journey doesn't finish until you leave this life, Okay. And there's no, as, as uh, I have learned to my cost, there is no such thing as retirement in ministry. Okay? Uh, this, I found that out in this church. You know, they give you something to do. And uh, yeah, there, uh, there is always someone who wants you to preach the word of God. And I love people who want to hear the unbridled, the unsuppressed, the whole word of God, as God has proclaimed it to us. <clears throat> His authority is perpetuated through the church. The transfer of authority is something already done. All authority, said Jesus, is given to me Come on, you know it, in heaven and on earth, you go. That's transferring that authority into the church, into the individual minister, pastor, member of the congregation, whatever post you hold. You cannot function without the anointing of the ministry upon your life. You cannot do the job the job want, that the God wants you to do and the way that he wants you to do it unless you have the full anointing of the Holy Spirit. Whew. Go back to Ephesians 1, just for a moment. We've already heard about this this morning, so I'm not going to labor on this too much. Ephesians 1, verse 18. That the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance among the saints and what is the passing greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he performed in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand. Amen. In heavenly places, 
far above all principalities, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. It's a done deal. It's a done deal. It's already been achieved for you. All you have to do is take hold of it and run with it because God has made you mighty warriors that no devil in hell can withstand. And you just go for it. I'm going to pull this close. And of course, of power ever was the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Say, hold on a sec, hold on a sec. God said, let there be, and there was light. God said, let there be, and there was everything. The greatest move of power was when God brought Jesus back from the dead. And he is at the right hand of the Father where he ever intercedes for you and for me. And you pray to the Father. You reach the Father in his name. You got a blank check. Come on. You speak. Satan's opposition. Sorry, guys, it's one of those nuisance value things that we have to handle most days. But you just tell him what the word of God says about him, and that settles it. As far as this is concerned, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Got something out of that this morning? Right, we're going to take a short break, a short